0: everybody, and welcome to J.H.R. Backstage, uh, the companion podcast to the main James Suss Rock Show. Now, today's episode Woo. might be a little different because uh, we're trying something new out uh, thanks to our relentless college, uh, college schedules. Uh, the two of us yeah. are now recording this remotely together. We are no longer in the podcast studio together, so the quality of this podcast may vary wildly depending on how things go here. Um, <laughs> now, neither one of us are tech wizards. <laughs>
1: Not really, We no. do
0: vaguely know our way around things, thankfully.
1: Yeah, but being uh, Let's Players for a long time definitely helped with that.
0: It certainly does. So, I was thinking today's at least starting point of conversation could be our least favorite albums from our favorite artists. And, like, Ooh. obviously, least favorite doesn't have to mean, like, you hate the album by any means or, like, that it's completely bad. Just more so, like, if you were to listen to this band that would be the last album you would think to listen to kind of thing.
1: Right. So it's a very interesting question to be honest with you, because you always like, people are always like, Oh, what's your favorite album? What's your, you know, what, Oh, excuse me. What's your go-to song? What's your, you know, what, um, but it's just, I don't think I've ever had like, I, I don't know if I've had anyone ask me like, Oh, what's your least favorite? Yeah. So it's very interesting. I mean,
0: I, I always find it fascinating because, like, it's obviously a band you love so much. What hmm. do you not like about them? Because, <laughs> like, cause, like the, everyone's bound to make something that you're not terribly a, a fan of, regardless of how much you love them. True. So, I mean, I can start if you want, or if you had something in mind. Either way. No, please. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so, I mean, this... This is obviously gonna. This is a big point of conversation to a lot of fans, anyway. Blink One Eighty Two is is definitely one of my favorite bands, and mm-hmm. uh, they have a very rocky history when it comes to uh, albums that the general fan base didn't like that much. Uh, me personally, I'd probably have to say my least favorite album from them would be. Actually, this is a harder question than I thought it would. I kind of thought about this before we even started recording and I still am having trouble like deciding definitively cuz like I don't want to say it and then like double think myself cuz like immediately I was going to say California which mm-hmm. was their not their last album but the album just before that. And sure. It's not that I don't that's not that I hate the album. There's plenty to love about it, but it just didn't feel right. So the biggest thing that I can say about California is the lyrics feel very rushed and I mean there's, there's actual like evidence of that in that Mark Hoppus said that the producer John Feldman encouraged him to like not think twice about a lot of the lyrics and just like you know go and do it write it and be done with it kind of thing which
1: what a excellent mentality to have
0: <laughs> I mean it works to a certain extent John Feldman's one of the biggest record producers ever in the pop punk industry so he clearly has some idea of what he's doing but Mm -hmm. like it led to a lot of like na na na's and ooze and stuff like that instead of like actual lyrics
1: (laughs) right and like
0: most of the lyrics on that album made absolutely no sense whatsoever uh they had like no structure to them they were just you know singing words in a in a song structure that was it
1: Mm-hmm. see that's and it's interesting because you know i'm running into a, a similar issue uh, off camera no one can see this but uh, i'm currently scrolling through my spotify um but it, it's something that um I, I i when it comes to writing music uh, i'll start here um when it comes to writing music i know it's like oh you know don't overthink it um, and just, you know, write it and just whatever comes to you, put it down. But to be honest with you, um, I, as somebody who also creates uh, music, um, you have to understand that there is a certain level of uh, revisiting mm-hmm. um, that is like almost mandatory when making a song. And... Like, you can't just, like, just, like write, write it, it and then just be, just done, be done with done it and, like, write it, it, perform it, record it, and then be done with it. You have to go back to it. You have to listen to it again. You have to be like, okay, actually, I think it'd be better if we did this and if we did this and this. Um, so it's just, you know, when you tell a band or a music artist and you're like, oh, just do it once, That it's going to produce some pretty – unless they get it right the first time, which is rare um, – it's going to sound weird. It's not going to come out right. And that's probably why the album like quote unquote suffers. Yeah. Um, is because of that. you know, you, you, you need that second or third time around to be like, okay, I actually, now I know what the sound should be for this song.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I definitely agree. And one of the other things that comes with that is a lot of the lyrics are very repetitive. Like, right. um, Pretty much all of Matt Skiba's lyrics in every single song on California includes at least one reference to a bed or sleeping, like every single one of them without fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you only get that from being like super quick with your lyrics instead of actually thinking them out.
1: Yeah, probably because he was just tired.
0: Yeah, no, and, and that's definitely like the most telling thing of that. The other thing that was talked about with the release of that album is that they were in the studio until, like, 2 or 3 in the morning some nights because they were just continually making songs. Jesus. So probably all of them were very tired. Well, at this point, it had been so long since the last Black Eighty two album. I think they just kind of wanted to, you know, appease fans by putting something out. And, like, it is pretty good quality, all things considered, but... Not my favorite of theirs. It was also, of course, controversial due to the fact that it was the first one with Matt Skiba instead of Tom DeLonge.
1: Hmm.
0: Which already was going to get a lot of people to hate it, regardless of the quality of the album.
1: Yeah, that's true. I would say, um, on my end, when it comes to uh, like bands that have produced albums um, that aren't really my favorite, one key... One that sticks out in my mind um, is AJR's Neo Theater.
0: Yeah, which I think um, we briefly talked about in one of the other podcasts.
1: Yeah, I I remember I mentioned it before, but I'll bring it back up again. Is like I don't again like there's nothing wrong with the album, and I don't hate it. But out of all of like the recent albums and all like the stuff that like all the songs and stuff that I've heard from them, the that specific album just didn't didn't really do it for me. I, I remember there being some songs on there that were pretty good, but like all in all, like I just felt really indifferent towards it, and I was like, eh, you know, it's it exists, it's good, but I don't know, it's not something I typically go back to. Like I'll go back to the Click every once in a while, and I haven't been able to stop listening to their <laughs> latest album. Um, I love so so much it's so good but like and that's the thing is that like it's just neo theater i've never felt the need to go back and listen to it again um it's cuz like there are not there aren't really any songs on there where i was like yeah i want to go back and listen to that it's like no i there's i can't even remember half the songs that were on it cuz i just i didn't i just didn't care as much um and that's that's just kind of that's the thing is that i don't hate it but it's just it's not something that i would really go back to and it's it's interesting too because like you know like starbomb uh, yeah. if anybody out there knows what starbomb is um it, they're the the reason why i would say that their first album is my least favorite is because like like I love the first album, but like there the the amount of songs that I will go back and listen to on the second and third one outweigh the first one, um, mm-hmm. so it's just that one makes it my quote unquote least favorite. Um, there are definitely songs from the first one that I like more than the other albums, but. I will go back and listen to like the entirety of the second one or I will go back and listen to the entirety of the third one but I I I just there are some songs from the first one that I'm just like I cannot sit through this like I don't I don't want to I don't want to listen to it and there's a few songs in the third one that I was like iffy on too but the the first one is really it's just like eh nah, yeah I, I think know. that probably
0: like, could come down to the fact that like Aaron was pretty new to music Whereas oh, yeah, Dan sure. and Brian they're, they're, already have been th- doing this for years, kind of thing. So like, there's going to be a learning curve, which is probably why the second one's far better.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think the third one is their best one. They really found their sound with that one. And they 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 are they they realized that too. They're like, oh, we finally found our sound on the last fucking album. <laughs> uh, excuse, excuse my language, um, but like that's. And I was like, yeah, like how how fitting. Um, and so I just thought that that was funny, and but like that's that is the thing where it's like the first album, it, that's true. They were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. The like Aaron was still learning stuff, and um, so it, like it, it's not bad at all. I still love the first album, but it's not as strong as the other two.
0: Mm, I agree. It's it's so. funny because like I was I was thinking that you were gonna bring up NSP. Because I figured that was where your most, your biggest wheelhouse is in terms of of music. Uh, in, One of them. In, yeah. in terms of albums, at least. In terms of like people to make full albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to pick my favorite of. Uh, I mean, my least favorite of NSP's catalog. Although I'd probably have to say um, the first under the covers if it counts.
1: So, so uh, okay, so is that, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I was going to mention the Under the Covers albums, because, um, I just, I don't know. Like, they're not, again, not bad at all, Um, but it's just, it's not something that I would go back and really listen to. Like, there's a bunch of songs on the other albums that are pretty good. Um, There's a bunch of songs I don't even recognize scrolling through some of the older albums. Um, but... Like, the Under the Covers albums, like, while their covers are pretty good, um, it's just those are the albums I find myself, like, not really going back to all that much. And, like, I I, I guess there might... Like, if we're going to exclude cover albums, like, if we're going to do that, then I'd probably say their, like, first album... Yeah, NSFW, um,
0: it would be the same for me. Yeah.
1: Because the second one, this their second album has more songs that I at least
0: I know love about. Strawberries <laughs> and Cream so much. Strawberries and Cream is a fantastic album. It is. Um, it's it's funny because like the only Under the Covers album that I do go back to on a pretty regular basis was the second one. Because like the mm-hmm. first one had a couple of good ones. I really liked. Everyone wants to rule the world, or everybody wants to rule the world, and stuff like that. And then like. Mm-hmm it had a couple of other smaller ones that were really good. And then two is the one that just hit the stride for them. And there was a lot of really good covers on there that like, I wouldn't say Ninja sex party or NSP, sorry, ever did them better, <laughs> but like they're on par with the original, in my opinion. And then three had a lot of skippable ones. <laughs> it, it had a lot of good ones too. Cause it had like down under and stuff like that, which I think is a really good cover for them. And of course the, the um, Don't Fear the Reaper with the full orchestra and all that, but three had the most skippable covers out of all three See, ones. It's,
1: it's funny too, because I, like, at least made an attempt to listen to, like, the first one and the second one, but, like, the third one, I don't even know if I listened to it like, at all, or even all the way through, if at all. But, like, and that's the thing, is that, like, that's kind of telling of that album where it's just like, oh, it's just another cover album. Because I I think that they're... Best stuff comes when, you know, they're sitting down and writing jokes about, like, dicks and stuff.
0: Well, yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: So, it's like that. So, like, when they make cover albums and stuff, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. But, you know, where's yeah, no, my NSP? I,
0: I, I get that. Yeah. I did, and, and I know we're talking about least favorites here, but just while we're still on the topic of NSP, the Prophecy is easily their best, 100%. Like I thought Cool Patrol was, and then when Prophecy came out.
1: (laughs) I absolutely adore the Prophecy album. It is so good, and it is so funny, and it is arguably one of their best albums that they have out. I feel like that's kind of telling for bands, is that like with each new album, they get better and better and better. Um, you'd like because yeah, I called at least. cool
0: Patrol my favorite when that was out which was the last album and then when the prophecy came out I was like no all right this is my favorite now
1: yeah exactly and that's the thing and like I've noticed that it's just because you learn and you grow and you you figure stuff out you kind of you figure out what works and you understand more and you just you hit a point where you're like oh I get it now and like that's the thing with like even, personally with uh with my stuff my albums with the exception of one of them progressively get better and better and better um and it's the same with your albums too it's like each one gets better and better and better because we we're learning and we're figuring out what works what our strongest skill sets are and we figure out what we can make work and so i feel like that when you have a band that doesn't have really like a lot of albums but, like, it's starting to learn what they're doing. They produce some really great stuff.
0: It's really funny because uh, NSP really does have a lot of albums now. <laughs> they like, do
1: now, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's kind of funny to think about how long they've been around um, nowadays in terms of how many albums. But, like, I, I still... Your point still stands, and I know it even, like, applies to the, to the both of us. Um, I... The f- next band that I had in mind when I was first concepting this idea was Green Day, which I know you have some familiarity with, very little, but at least some, some. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint like a least favorite in their music, although I'd say the the clear front runner would be, um, the uh the newest one, Father of All, which. You know, it was good. It was a good album. It was just a weird change of pace for Green Day, and
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: it was very very short. Like the whole album was like eleven tracks, and it was only like twenty eight minutes or something like that, which is just unheard of for for bands of their caliber, especially like Green Day. Which Green Day, all of their discography is are these like sweeping cinematic albums that are like ridiculous lengths most of the Mm -hmm. time like american idiot and 21st century breakdown as far as i'm aware are over an hour long wow so like for them to release like a 28 minute like 50s doo-wop rock album after having just released like revolution radio before which was like a definitive rock album it just felt it felt pretty weird
1: yeah that this is kind of the thing, I guess, is that um, when when you hit a certain point, it becomes less about length and it becomes more about um, you know the songs itself and like I guess I can't speak to this album because I haven't listened to it, but I feel like that a big thing with that is that you. Once you, you hit a point where you're like, oh, I want it to be a long album. And then you hit a point where you're like, well, it, it doesn't really need to be long. It's just the songs need to matter themselves. So, like, maybe it's possible that they focused more on, like, what will make this sound good as opposed to how long can we get the album.
0: Yeah, I suppose you're right. But just it's even more so, like, if if you're going to do that, at least make the songs good, right? Which... They definitely well, yeah. Had, <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely had a couple of good songs on there. Like, um, Meet Me on the Roof and, and the title track, Father of All, were really good songs. And then, like, there were a handful of other standouts, but, like, nothing terribly, like, breakout Notable. that I was like, ooh, like, I need to keep listening to Father of All. Right. And, like, more so, it's a 28 minute album that I paid as much for than the album that came before it, which was like closer to 40 minutes. Hmm. Four songs that I didn't like that much. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like you need to tear that kind of stuff, but I understand that the music industry is one of those like regulated ones where like, no matter how big or long or short or whatever your album is, it's pretty much the same standardized pricing depending on who you are as an artist.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's just... I guess that's just kind of the game at this point, is that, you know, you try and try and try and try, and then, you know, eventually you just kind of hit the point where you're like, ugh.
0: Yeah, I Man. mean, I can imagine Green Day's hitting that point. That Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're hitting the they- ugh. I was going to say, they've been around for, like, nearly 50 years, so...
1: <laughs> right.
0: And, I mean, yeah, I guess I would get that. Like, they, they've oh, – hold on. I need to look at how many studio albums they've even had because I could list them all off, but, like, it'd be much easier if I could just look at a number.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because, like,
0: cause like it, it, you got to even think on top of the Green Day albums, they've also had a couple of spinoff albums under different names. Mm-hmm. So they've had 13 studio albums under the name Green Day, and then they've done – two studio albums under the name, the network, and they did uh, one album under the title Foxborough hot tubs. And then there was a, a an album under um, Billy Joe Armstrong, like solo, but it did include the other two members.
1: So why the, did they change their name so much?
0: Uh, Cause they were trying different types of music the uh foxboro oh, okay. hot tubs was a very like not smooth jazz but definitely much smoother than traditional green day right and then the network was um this weird experimental like hard punk rock experimental ex- electronica kind of thing it's all over the place <laughs> <laughs> um Hey, I'm gonna try and I keep forgetting to silence my phone. Sorry, everyone. Um, Real anyway. professional of you. Yeah, right. You think I'd be doing this <laughs> for almost ten years? <laughs> so anyway, um, and then the one under Billy Joe Armstrong solo, but including the other two members of the band, was um, during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Every Monday, Billy Joe Armstrong would release like some small cover of some other song that he felt like covering. And he called them No yep. Fun Mondays.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, after like, he released a good amount of them, they compiled it into an album on Spotify called No Fun Mondays. And it was listed under Billy Joe Armstrong, but it was included in the Green Day discography because it had the other two members in it.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: And then you got to think Billy Joe Armstrong also did that country album with Nora Jones. So, he's probably a little tired now, now they list all that out.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, that'd make, that'd make anybody exhaustive. are just like, ugh.
0: On top of um, the Broadway play that they had, and the movie that's been stuck in developmental hell for the last five years.
1: I forgot they had any of that happening.
0: Well, so American Idiot, the Broadway musical, was so good. I saw it at the Boston Uh Opera House. It was fantastic. That's good. Uh, And then HBO picked it up to make a movie adaptation of the Broadway musical, similar to, like, Uh uh, Jersey Boys or anything like that. And then that project has just been stuck in development for, like, the last five or six years. Like, they, they, they keep promising that it's still happening, but there's been, like, no major movement For a couple years now. Similar to, like, the FNAF movie and stuff. Huh. Which is funny because, like, now would be the time, if anything. Because, like, look at the pre-recorded version of Hamilton and all the awards it was winning. And then, like, they missed the mark even when Jersey Boys (laughs) came out about five years ago, too. Which was another film adaptation of a Broadway musical, if you're not familiar. They should
1: just release a rocket Man type movie and they should call it american idiot
0: honestly uh i i bet they would do something like that um but this is like a direct adaptation of the storyline in the album because it's a it's a concept album that has, follows the like right. full storyline i would be down for a billy joe armstrong biopic movie though like mhm uh, cause I'd be very down for a rocket man style movie with Billy Joe Armstrong as the, the center point. I feel like they would call it basket case more than likely. Cause that, that was like green day's first big breakout song. And it was like, you know, a description of him as a person.
1: Fair. But I also feel as though, you know, the, the, the one that's most famous that everybody knows and they'd be like you know they'd be like oh we should call it that instead but see
0: of that would cause you. brand confusion then with the broadway play and inevitably. oh yeah I guess the movie that's a
1: good point, too. yeah that i makes mean they sense, could even actually. call it
0: arguably <laughs> father of all it would still fit as a movie title and it's their latest album at the time of this recording at least yeah
1: that's fair i there's so many options
0: yeah i I would be super down to see a Billy Joe Armstrong movie, though. Now I'm kind of curious to see that. I know they did obviously Bohemian Rhapsody, and then they did Rocket Man, and then they did the one on Janet Jackson, which no one paid attention to at all.
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> um, I I don't even think it released in theaters. If it and if it did, it it only did for like a really short amount of time. Like.
1: Yeah, I remember the trailer. Yeah. But that was about it. <laughs> yeah,
0: because it, it was the trailer for it was before um, Rocket Man when we went to go see it. Was it? Yeah. When when um.
1: That long ago.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this was a couple years Jesus. ago. Jesus. Right? Yeah, that's what I mean. No one paid attention to this film. Like.
1: Yeah, well, because I was gonna say, like, you know, I I remember. <sighs> Oh, well, cause they they didn't they don't they have one coming out about like Judy Garland?
0: Oh wait, I'm I'm mixing them up. You're right. It was, Judy Garland was the one we saw the trailer for in front of Rocket Man, the the woman who played Dorothy in yeah yeah that was the Judy Garland film was before Rocket Man, so that one's been out for a while and no one paid attention to it. I think they are doing a Janet Jackson one though that just hasn't come out yet. I'm mixing my people up. I I'm very. <laughs> So many J's.
1: So, yeah. Drocket, man. Wait a minute. Does that mean that you'll get your own movie too someday?
0: I would hate that. Honestly, I have.
1: I would hate that too because you're going to lump me in with it too.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd be a really significant part of it if they were to. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's really funny is that my life is so boring that it would be like, so you'd have the first... Well, they'd like, skip this part. Well, yeah, you'd have like the first 20, 30 minutes be like early childhood, like, you know, all my comics and stuff like that or whatever. Then you yeah. could have like middle school, you'd skip pretty much entirely. I didn't do anything of any interest in middle school. Right. Then you could like show off... Like actually no, the only interesting thing I did during middle school was like make my first film and start James Susser Rock, which, you know, this harkens back to the conversation we had in the first podcast where that completely slipped my mind that that was even something interesting I did. I was thirteen <laughs> and made a film and a television show, and I'm like, oh, I didn't do anything interesting in middle school. <laughs> yeah, that that just about anyway. Something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Y- You'd have to skip most of this, in fact, all of it from, like, late high school to now, if you were going to do a film. There's been nothing of any real big significance up until maybe this year. But anyway, that's all the time we have for today. What a great way to end the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this style of the podcast doesn't sound too terrible. and, And when I edit this, if it does, we'll probably... Re-record it so if you're hearing this all went well if you're hearing this congratulations you won yeah exactly all right see you guys all next week the the core show will come uh be coming back sometime in early october um so keep an eye out for that but in the meantime we'll have all this podcast fun for you still weekly as it always was thank you guys peace see you later guys